AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Brett Johnson with you here on a Tuesday afternoon. And as usual on Tuesdays, we are joined by the editor-in-chief of the Minnesota Reformer. That's Patrick Kulikan, as we're going to be chatting about some of the news stories they've been working on. And also a column. We occasionally will chat about some of the columns that they have uh, over at minnesotareformer.com, too, as we have lots to talk about today, including Patrick's column on Dean Phillips and why voters need to listen to him after last week's results. We'll also maybe uh, have a chance to touch on some other local news that they've been working on as well. So, Patrick, thanks so much for coming back on the show today. Thanks. Always a pleasure. Absolutely. So let's start off talking about your column titled, New Hampshire Voters Listened to Dean Phillips. He Should Listen to Them. Now, last week in New Hampshire, Dean Phillips managed to get just 20% of the vote, actually just shy of 20% of the vote, despite the fact that he was running against Joe Biden, who wasn't even on the ballot. Biden won by being a write-in candidate. Now, you wrote last year, Patrick, about how we, I think we even talked about this too during one of our interviews, how we kind of had some sympathy for Dean Phillips and how Dean Phillips and his thoughts on Joe Biden and how he seemed genuinely concerned about the candidacy of Joe Biden. But I think part of your column really kind of hit the nail on the head when you talked about how we should really pay attention to who Dean Phillips keeps in his company. And as we've seen, there's been some GOP operatives like G- Steve Schmidt and the anti-DEI guy like Bill Ackman who have been kind of uh, involved in the Phillips campaign. And that probably didn't help as well. Yeah, um, uh, as, as you noted, uh, I was sympathetic to the idea that Phillips raised uh, in the summer that the President Biden's numbers are bad, and it certainly didn't uh, it look like it was going to be a struggle uh, to defeat uh, uh, the presumptive GOP nominee, Donald Trump, and, and that, that's the absolute nightmare. And so he was going out, he, was, he said he was recruiting other folks, big-name Democrats, to try to get them to run. Um, and and I, I kind of thought, well, Probably a good thing that somebody is raising uh, the red flag here. Um, but then when he decided to get in the race, uh, I thought that some of his comments uh, were really out of bounds. Um, one, for instance, uh, he was asked point blank whether or not uh, Joe Biden was a threat to democracy because uh, Phillips, uh, with the, the Florida uh, Democratic Party was keeping him off, the Dean Phillips off the the Florida primary ballot, and Phillips was kind of enraged by this, and he answered yes, that, that Joe Biden is a threat to democracy. And I, I, I thought that was really uh, a terrible false equivalence, given the, uh, what's happening with, with Donald Trump and his attempt to overturn the 2020 election results. I mean, what happened in Florida is that Dean Phillips, uh, he didn't actually announce he was running until uh, late in the game, and Florida Democrats are uh, supportive of the president. Um, so to me, it indicated not that uh, Joe Biden is a threat to democracy, but that Dean Phillips just isn't, uh, wasn't good enough at politics, um, didn't have any allies with the Florida Democratic Party, uh, which is just standard politics to me. Um, and so uh, he, he, he also, uh, I think the idea here was that uh, and his campaign uh, told this to reporters, if they were to get 42 percent in New Hampshire, that's the total that uh, Eugene McCarthy received in 1968 and toppled LBJ, uh, then that would be, uh, that was the goal. He didn't even get half of that, and he was running against a write-in candidate. Um, I, I've actually been uh, to New Hampshire for presidential primaries a couple times, 
And, uh, I mean, I watched sort of that, the, the energy that surrounded John McCain's campaign in 2000, as well as uh, both the Obama and uh, Hillary Clinton campaigns in 2008. And um, I can tell you that uh, when, when a candidate really uh, catches fire in New Hampshire, there's a, there's a tangible sense to it. You can really feel the energy. And uh, I wasn't out there this time, but I don't think there's, I don't think there's any question that that's not really the reception that Phyllis uh, received. Um, if he had really had any uh, an energetic showing there, he would have done better than twenty percent. Um, but he didn't, and now he moves on. Uh, he, he seems pretty committed to keeping the campaign going, uh, which again I don't really understand, uh, especially since the next uh, primary in South Carolina, he's. Uh, probably going to get almost certainly single digits. And so you really have to start wondering, what is the rationale for the campaign? And what is the message of the campaign, too? Because even going back and uh, responding to what you talked about when Dean Phillips said, well, Joe Biden is a threat to democracy because I wasn't allowed on the Florida ballot. To me, just when you're a candidate who's trying, who's running as an underdog and you're trying to take a, topple the favorite, whoever they might be, whether it's the sitting president or someone else, you got to have kind of that positive message and just having a conspiracy theory message saying, well, the party's against me, that doesn't really seem to resonate. Well, I guess unless you're Donald Trump or someone like that, but I just didn't really see much of a positive message really in New Hampshire either, other than the fact that, well, the Democrats need somebody else and Joe Biden is too old. That doesn't really seem very motivating to voters in New Hampshire, and that's probably why voters didn't really connect with him in that state either. Yeah, uh, I think what uh, Phillips told a, a national political reporter back in when he was mulling his run that he was that his greatest fear was was uh, Donald Trump's reelection, and and that was why he was actually running because uh, he didn't think Biden could win, and he wanted to make sure there was he hoped he wanted to make sure there was some kind of a uh, plan B in case uh, uh, President Biden. Um, had there was some kind of health event, or if he just couldn't muster the energy to run a campaign, um, but he then, uh, you know, by by engaging in these tactics, and some of what he said, he's really providing talking points uh, for uh, the Trump campaign, um, the, constantly harping on uh, Biden's age, and then also claiming that Biden is a threat to democracy. Uh, that's really not helpful. If you're, if you really, if your fear is Donald Trump getting reelected, uh, then you need to start thinking about your own role in that. And, um, I think that's the big question for him is, uh, is he now contributing to the reelect, to the election of Donald Trump? We'll read more about Patrick's column over at minnesotareformer.com titled New Hampshire voters listen to Dean Phillips. He should listen to them. Hey, briefly, before we have to wrap things up, do want to touch on one more story, and that has to do with uh, the DFL's proposed fix to the school cops issue that is set to be heard on day one of the legislative session. Uh, just to fill you in a little bit, the current law limits how school police can physically restrain students in schools and prohibits school employees, including school resource officers, from using any kind of hold that inhibits a student's ability to breathe or communicate distress except to prevent bodily harm or death. This uh, new modification that DFLers are possibly making would repeal a ban on school police putting students in the prone position or face down, as former Minneapolis police officer Derek Chauvin restrained George Floyd with back in 2020, which of course killed him. 
So looking at now the DFLers possibly modifying this bill, this overall just seems like an issue that the DFL really wants to go away before 2020. Or in other words, it's not really worth the trouble of trying to defend this bill. They want this thing gone by the election time. That's kind of the read I'm getting on from this. What about you? Yeah, that's certainly what it seems like. Uh, the uh, the vibe that uh, I got from a source of ours was that they the Walls administration and the House DFL are are hoping this thing will will go away quickly. They are going to hear the bill like on day one. They want to dispense with this issue quickly. I think it uh, they thought it was a bad issue for them in the fall. Um, part of the reason I thought it was a bad issue for them was that they didn't have a good response to it. Um, but again, uh, just to, to uh, remind your listeners of the history, August comes around, there's this new rule, you can't put a student prone, meaning face down, um, uh, on the ground. Any No school employee can do that, including uh, the, the police officers in the schools. And suddenly, the uh, certain departments started to pull their officers out of the schools, and uh, then the Republicans made quite an issue about it, how it was going to make our schools unsafe. Uh, it seemed pretty coordinated. Every few days, a new district, they, they would announce they were pulling their, their police, and they were often in kind of border uh, swing districts, swing legislative districts. So um, uh, I, I feel like the Democrats uh, are coming into this session uh, wanting to make sure this is not something that continues on. Um, but I, I also, uh, I think there are a lot of folks who are going to feel like they're a little bit betrayed here. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we'll see if there's any pushback um, from folks who um, do not want uh, this kind of physical force used on uh, students. A reminder, too, that uh, not every school has a, they call them school resource officers, or um, in, in fact, two of the largest districts, St. Paul and Minneapolis, uh, do not have any in their schools. Uh, so um, the, the idea, and I wrote about this previously, that, that somehow uh, chaos was going to ensue uh, if we didn't overturn the, the new rule about holding students down on the ground on their stomachs. Uh, it just, it, it really didn't, uh, I was deeply skeptical and so uh, I think Democrats could hold their ground on this, but um, I suspect they're not going to. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask as my next question. Could they be too concerned about this issue? Because I think I even saw, maybe even you guys wrote about this too, how many schools even use school resource officers that eventually pulled them out last year? Because if I remember, I mean, there were a few districts that did end up pulling out, pulling the cops out of schools, but not many overall. So. Perhaps this was a little overblown, but then again, kind of perception is everything, and I can still see why they don't want this issue hanging over their heads coming up in the fall of 2024 election. Yeah, I mean, the reality is in, in these suburban districts, um, police are still popular figures, and you know these are very uh, involved parents often, mm-hmm. and, and they're really concerned about uh, safety of their, of their children, as, as well they should be, and it, it certainly drives a lot of interest in in like gun control um, because they're afraid of school shootings um, and so I, I think that for a lot of these swing districts again it's not a great issue for Democrats and so they're trying to just um, be done with it um, and uh, it's certainly going to disappoint some some folks um, and and I think there will be uh, some, some conflict on this issue but we'll see how it plays out and five- starts February 12th 
And final question for you on this. What are the police thinking about? I mean, the police in general, at least some of the lobbyists for them, at least. What are they thinking about this uh, proposed DFL fix to the bill? Have police seemed generally open? Are they skeptical? Or what are their overall thoughts on this uh, proposed fix from DFLers? Yeah, I mean, they're not totally satisfied, um, which is probably, but, you know, it might be just smart politics to just say that. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, because, you know, the, the, you're, the negotiation is ongoing, so uh, you don't want to say, like, oh, we love this bill, let's pass it, because um, that would engender a lot of mistrust. <laughs> um, so they, they like their repeal of the prone restraint, but they there's there's uh, other aspects of the this bill that would, create kind of a model school policy um, and they want to make sure that their their folks are the ones who are crafting that policy um, and because the reality is that that policy could end up banning the restraints again um, um, or they could wind up uh, codifying the, the the right to use the restraints um, so we'll have to see how it plays out they're, they're saying right now uh, that, that they're not really high on the bill, um, as are the opponents of this uh, type of restraint. So um, we'll see if they can cobble together uh, enough votes here. Well, if you want more details on this bill, which DFLers say they are going to introduce on day one, this fix to the school cops bill, introduce day one. Read more about it over at minnesotareformer.com. And again, make sure you check them out for all the latest in Minnesota news and politics, minnesotareformer.com. We have been speaking with Patrick Hulican, who is the editor-in-chief of the Minnesota Reformer, who joins us on Tuesdays. Patrick, as always, thanks for coming on the show today. Always a pleasure. All right, let's take a break and send things back over to Matt McNeil on AM 950.